Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks very much again for joining us on this one. Today I have Matthew Toth. He is Vice President of Sales at The Neat Company coming to us from the city of brotherly love. Matthew, good morning. Hi, Paul, and thank you for uh, for having me on the podcast. Well, thank you for being here. Say hi to everybody in a quick intro. Hello, everybody. Welcome, and, and thanks for joining us today. Um, as Paul mentioned, my name is Matthew Toth, and uh, I'm the VP of Sales uh, for The Neat Company. I've been there for a little over 12 years, and uh, look forward to uh, kind of share my story and some lessons that I've learned over the many years with you today. Well, speaking of lessons, the lesson number one for a podcast host is to ask the guest, how do you pronounce your last name? And uh, I, <laughs> clearly, I missed that one. So it's Toth, not Toth. I love it. All right. Yep, right. it's a long O. It's a, it's a Hungarian background. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thanks again for being here. So, uh, Matthew, as you know, we've been speaking before I hit record here. The title of the podcast is Your Intention Matters. And that really stems from nothing has really been gifted and everything is earned. And it all starts with intention and mindset. And so uh, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story if you're ready to go. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So let's go back. Uh, I'd like to take you back to uh, when you were starting your career. Let's go back to Rowan University. You were going down a finance path and yet here you are VP of sales. So uh, what did you think you'd be doing when you when you started your career? What was your vision back then? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this was, you know, the the early 2000s. And just like everybody else, I was going to be a stockbroker millionaire, right? The uh, the dot com bubble just uh, just burst and everybody, uh, you know, made a lot of money there in in that area. And, And there was the next wave coming through. So as the economy grew, um, you know, being being the stock stockbroker, uh, being a financial analyst was uh, was top of mind for me. So you know, went through and and studied finance there, um, and and got out. Had an internship with a uh, a large brokerage firm, and realized that you know through that internship that you know I would just be pretty much stealing customers from other uh, other other houses, right? And it was a lot of sales, and it was a lot of um, you know work that uh, didn't really excite me. So I turned the corner and and realized that that wasn't the path for me. And while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, uh, my mom and stepdad were both teachers for their entire careers and uh, and, and wound up as a teacher's aide in a classroom uh, for for special education. So, you know, kind of while I'm I'm figuring out, you know, how how to grow up and and what I want to do for my for my career, uh, I knew the finance path was not it. So, you know, really uh, making sure that I had a job while I was figuring that out was important to me. Uh, you know, Matthew, your decision to do that, uh, I'm curious. So you go, you're going down a path of finance and you think, OK, so I'm going to get into Wall Street. I'm going to be, you know, a financial advisor and a stockbroker and I'm going to go down that avenue. And yet you pivot and you, you, you've kind of followed your parents path a little bit. Um, were, were they content with that? Were they proud of that? Were they challenging you to go back into uh, finance? Was there any pushback from the family part of it with your decision to become a teacher? 
No, not at all. Um, I mean, and, and just to be clear again, this, you know, I was not a teacher. I would have needed to go back to school to get other degrees and, and other certifications to become a, a full-fledged teacher. So, you know, this was the, you know, instead of getting a job, let's say at a restaurant or, or doing something like that, um, you know, it was just a job um, while I was figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. So, you know, I wasn't getting pushback from, from, family or parents or any of that magnitude everybody understands you know i'm in my early 20s mm-hmm. and and still trying to figure out life so um yeah every, everybody you know understood what i was doing fair enough and so how long did you uh did you stay down that path i was about a little over three years wow, okay. uh, i spent in a classroom well that's a long haul i mean good for you that that because that's not just a job i mean you have to be uh, you know, uh, caring and you have to be vested and when, when you're responsible for children, especially special needs. And I mean, so congrats on, on turning what you just said, just a job, but you, you must have had a passion about that for do it for three years. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, the things I learned from from those talented teachers were were incredible. So, uh, you know, obviously in my young 20s, it was a job. But mm-hmm. now looking back and, and as I spent the time in the classroom waiting to figure out what my next move was for my life, you know, I really learned a lot of important uh, life skills and business, you know, career skills as well from the from these great teachers. And, you know, one of those was just just how much they cared for their students, right? And how much they cared for their students' welfare um, was so important and really stood out to me. And I saw the, the good teachers, right, were the ones that really showed that they care and they went the extra mile for their for their group. And, and that lesson has definitely stuck with me throughout my sales career in, in building relationships and trust with, with prospects and customers and, and teams that I've managed and so on along the way. And the other was, you know, really pointed to the job itself was being comfortable, you know, uh, presenting and learning um, how to take advantage of, you know, different learning styles that people may have and being able to transfer knowledge uh, using those seven different learning styles. And that, and that obviously, you know, whether it's a discovery call or a team meeting or a, a prospect call, you know, being able to really use those different learning styles to transfer knowledge in a way that somebody uh, can digest it and, and use it again. Well, I think where we are at, at, at this at the state of the world right now, I think a lot of parents out there can probably appreciate my comment here that I certainly have a, a much higher appreciation for teachers today because even though I'm a sales trainer, I haven't bred myself to be a, a teacher at all, uh, certainly not children. And so I have, as you know, Matthew, I have two kids, six and four, and they're home with me. And I know you're a dad as well. And and uh, and so, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, outside of the isolation and quarantine, um, how are you hanging in there right now with COVID? How's your team? How's your family? Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, so thanks for asking. I mean, it's it's uh, I'm an office person, so I love going into the office. I love the buzz. I love the environment. I love to be able to just pop up and, and ask a teammate a question. Um, but so, you know, there was a lot of learning experiences in, in quarantine and working from home, especially with a toddler running around at the same time. Um, and one of the biggest lessons that I learned was, uh, you know, how to separate the job and the home life uh, when it's all in, you know, revolved around one area. So, you know, when you're at home, it's a place that that you've really, uh, you know, decorated to be a, a place of relax and refreshing. 
And to be able to, one, keep yourself motivated at home is very hard when you're looking over and you're like, man, that needs to get done. Oh, that that job needs to get done. Oh, I have a comfy, comfy couch over there. To really be able to get those tasks and stay focused on, you know, takes knowledge, right? Takes learning, takes an ability. And, and I'm, you know, now very jealous of those people that, that have been working from home and it's, it's nothing, you know, nothing any different. But for, for those of us that, that are new really to a permanent work from home situation, it's really scheduling and blocking out time and making sure that your focus is there. And then, you know, I don't have a commute home like I did mm. when I was in the office. So I'd be able to take that, you know, that, that 45 minutes to an hour and really um, transition from work mode to home mode, making sure that when I sit in the driveway for five seconds and take a deep breath before I go in, into home, I'm not bringing, you know, that deal I just lost or the team, you know, the team didn't hit our goals or something and bringing that home. I'm walking yeah. through the door with a smile. But when I walk up the stairs from the basement, you know, now it's 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 tough. Right. The the, the loss was just right there. Yeah. So. I really make a point to, you know, step into the bathroom really quickly, look in the mirror, take a deep breath, smile, and then walk upstairs to continue on my day. So hopefully, you know, work and home, there, there is that boundary there. Well, good for you. And I, I appreciate your, your position on that. And so uh, let's talk about transition here. So you're, you're, you're in the education side of things for a while, but a three-year run. What was behind your decision to uh, change careers? Was it yours? Um, did, did you move right into sales? Talk to me about what happened there. Yes, certainly. So, you know, throughout my life, I always like to continue to learn. So as I was in the classroom at night, I was uh, going back and, and, and really assessing what I wanted to do with my life. And, and I like technology, right? So I went and I got some Microsoft certifications and, and really went towards that IT path. And, and that's where, you know, after I, I got my certifications, I started applying to positions, you know, around the Philadelphia area and, and, and came across neat. Um, and, you know, it was a young company that was startup. Uh, it was hungry. It was in the technology space. And, uh, you know, I fit in, I applied and I interviewed and got the position there. So really starting off in, you know, at my current company in a role of customer facing help. Right. So that was customer service. That was a little bit of sales. That was support. That was everything mixed in together. When you come to a small company like that, uh, departments and divisions and, and groups aren't necessarily always, you know, separated and cordoned off. So I, I, I got a great chance to take my love for technology mm -hmm. um, and be able to really uh, learn a lot of different skills. And whether that be on the back end and more of the support side um, or customer service before it was known as customer success and and the sales part in the beginning. Did you enjoy uh, the, the sales aspect of, of the job, appreciating you might have had an interest in the actual offering, but did you actually enjoy being a salesperson? Yeah, no. Um, you know, so so one of the biggest things that uh, I, I like and, and then I once again took from that that teaching experience is to really care. So, you know, throughout Neat's long history and, and the many trend transitions and pivots that we've gone through as a technology company, we've always serviced small businesses. Right. So knowing those small business owners. Um, they they're doing their passion. They're run. They've started a business to do their passion. Their their children's future, their family's future, and everything hinges on the success of that business. And and neat software has always helped small businesses to manage documents, to manage expenses, to manage finances, and and just truly being able to know that I'm helping them. 
uh, with my software stay in business, right? I'm helping them manage uh, a time crunch. I'm helping them be able to, instead of doing the books on Friday night at the kitchen table, be able to spend time with their children and their family. So knowing, um, you know, that I was able to help that, that is one of the biggest things that really made me love uh, the sales part mm. of it, uh, the sales aspect. You know, you've you've been with your organization now, Neat, for over 12 years. And here in 2020, that's not uncommon, but it's not the most common thing either for it, for individuals to stay with an organization. There doesn't seem to be the, the same level of commitment on either side these days. There's a lot of companies that won't have somebody stick around that long. And there's other individuals who say, well, I'm going to keep looking. And they stay three to five years and they move on or two to four years. And and so you talk to me about your decision to stay with Need, but also your your your, your drive behind uh, moving up because individual contributor, manager, director, VP, sales, all very different jobs, and they all take a different different skill set. Yes, under the same umbrella of sales, but they're all very different jobs. And so I'd love to hear from you regarding uh, your decision and the the fire in the belly about you know progressing your career under the same umbrella. Yeah, definitely. So you know when when. So, so I tell somebody or somebody, uh, you know, sees my history and they say 12 years with one company. They, they look at me with one of one of two uh, looks. One is you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. Or the other is, wow, that must be a great company and a great culture for you to stay there that long. And it's definitely the latter. Hmm. Um, some people have said, I feel you know, I'm, I'm a little crazy. But uh, for the most part, it's it's definitely, you know, uh, working for a great company, a great leadership team, a great management team throughout the years. Um, that have always, uh, you know, trusted their employees, have always had, uh, you know, a great rapport and built a wonderful cult, uh, culture. So, you know, one of the reasons, too, that I've stayed with the company for so long is that I've, I've been able to have so many different experiences under that sales umbrella that you mentioned that most people would have to go to three or four or five different companies to get. So, you know, Need started off as a software company to help business travelers run expense reports in a, a more simple fashion than they, they were used to. Um, we, we transitioned from purely software to adding a, uh, a hardware component, a scanner to it. And through there, we were able to uh, transition both to these same small business owners, but get a little bit more B2C as well. So having the opportunity to grow up as an individual contributor, become a manager of a call center, start leading that call center, um, and then transition over into the retail world, um, you know, is a is a two massive different jobs underneath that same sales umbrella that most people would have to, you know, jump from company to company mm -hmm. to get. So, you know, one day I'm worried about, you know, one on one coaching and, and, and uh, the sales process and the sales method and what phone system we're using and all of those to the next day is, oh, there's a, a labor issue in the port of San Francisco and I can't get my scanners in to, to hit a back to school sale at a at an office superstore. So, you know, those those two very different um, experiences under one umbrella known as sales, I've gotten within the same company um, and, and many transitions and pivots since. But that's you know, the, that kind of idea is one of the main reasons that I've stayed with the company for so long. Um, and, and, and having the management team look at me as somebody that can learn and can pivot along with those uh, transitions. Well, I certainly can appreciate that position. I mean, different logo on the bag, but I spent about a decade at Xerox in a number of different sales roles as well. And so I, I can appreciate the uh, 
what you've just said regarding uh, the, the, the progression of your career, different roles, but still underneath the same organization. And you, you, you kind of build your credibility in your career within that company. Anybody who's a regular listener to this podcast has heard me say this before. And that is, you know, when I was a sales manager and I was a, a team leader, uh, to say that I was very ineffective is an understatement because it's a very different job. I mean, the way that I was approached it was, well, this is the way I did it in territory, so this is the way you should do it. And it just, well, it wasn't very effective at all. Uh, and and so uh, talk to me about your uh, your desire to, um, to lead because they're very different jobs. Being a sales manager, VP sales versus salesperson, totally different skill sets. You could have crushed it as a salesperson and been a very ineffective manager like I was. And yet conversely, you can be an average to better than average salesperson and yet the most effective leader in the world. And so I'm curious about your decision and your intention to uh, progress from individual contributor to leader. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And, and, as much as I would love to sit here, you know, uh, in, in a VP role and, and just say everything, you know, naturally progressed. And as an individual contributor, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of number one, but they also saw these other great qualities in me that, that really showed that I could take the process from everybody and, and put it together. And, and, you know, the, the, the typical ways that you would necessarily get a, you know, a promotion. or move So let's up, just but- say that, let's just say that. Yeah, for, for, for me, for me, it was, you know, as an individual contributor um, for a very small tech tech company, right? The, we, we expand and we contract. So uh, my first opportunity to become a real manager was um, I was thrown into it because of a contraction within the company. Uh, we were making a pivot and we, we needed to um, right size the business. And one of these days, all of a sudden from, you know, I was a individual contributor to a manager, to a VP, to another VP, to a C-level, all of a sudden, you know, that was on Monday. On Tuesday, I was now leading the entire call center and reporting directly to the CMO as a manager. So um, I I didn't have the, well, I have a great person that's training me and prepping me and grooming me for this next position. Um, And through that, because of that, I didn't have a lot of the, the tips and the tricks and the the gotchas that you see out here on LinkedIn and, and the rest of the uh, the content world, I, I learned on the job. And, and yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I, I chose the, well, I am the number one salesperson and the way I was doing it is the best way. And I ripped and replaced and learned very quickly. That was not what you need to do as a manager. So, <laughs> you know, so all those things that everybody says, a good manager does this right. and does that. I didn't do that. I didn't know that. And you know, I, I didn't have the training running into it, but I learned very quickly. I used, you know, um, my drive, my motivation to want to lead this group in and making sure that I was self-educating outside of the workplace. I was uh, asking for help with the leaders uh, that were, you know, within the company and talking to my team and seeing what they really want. So I, you know, I made a, a grave mistake, lost one of my other best sales people because of that, but really then started to settle in and understand what a manager really was. And that's, you know, that's what really sparked the interest for me to continue on in the management mm. path and grow and lead was once again, going back to, you know, the lessons I learned as a, as a teacher's aide, you know, once you start caring about your group, getting their feedback, getting their input on process improvement and how we can, and how we can work together and, and learning those, those first time manager things like, you know, you're going to give the praise, but you're going to take the blame. Um, that's hard to do as a, 
you know, as an individual contributor, it's your, your, your own desk, you're your own CEO at that point in time. And, and when you get into a management position, being able to take a step back, getting to know that you now work for your team, your main responsibilities and goals are to make them better, not to make yourself better necessarily. And, and once I learned that, I, I, the bug bit me, right? That's where I wanted to, I, I knew that I could be much more effective as, as growing a team um, than I could as an individual contributor at that point. Uh, fair enough. I'm good. I appreciate that insight. Uh, a couple more questions here for you, Matthew. Um, one is, if anybody was coming to you looking for any advice, uh, it doesn't even have to be sales advice, but just maybe advice that has worked for you in your life. If you had one piece of advice for anybody listening right now, uh, what might that be? So one of the, the things I've learned over 12 years and, and before that, as I mentioned, was truly care about your employees, your team, your family, your relationships that you build. And I know that sounds very high level and it's a little wishy-washy, but, um, you know, here's, here's things that, that, that help me do that, right? So a little bit of tactical uh, on that advice. And it's, it's get to know the people that you surround yourself with, right? Whether it's your team, whether it's your family, whether it's prospects or customers, get to know them at a deeper level. Um, you know, as we all know, if you if you have larger uh, sales ticket items and opportunities, uh, those clients and customers will go with you to your next job, to your next company. If you have a team that you really get to know when they're not just employee number 6531, um, that they're actually Bob, Sam, jo you know, Sally, and, and Jan, um, that, that, that they'll work harder for you, right? That they'll, they'll really build that trust in that relationship for you. So um, anything you can do to build that, and that is being mindful of, of habits and changes in habits, um, being mindful of getting to know what motivates them because you're never going to coach your passion into them. I'm passionate about sales, but I'm never going to take my team and say, you're going to love sales as much as I am and I'm going to make you do that. Uh, but what I can do is find out what their passions are and coach that passion out of them to use that motivation to get better at sales, to get better at their position or their job. And once again, that doesn't necessarily just have to be sales. That's, you know, to, to when you're prospecting, when you're doing discovery calls, when you're trying to close the deal, whether you're trying to build, uh, you know, friendships outside, you know, of the office and so on, just really diving deep and figuring out what matters to those people that are in your inner circle or your circle in general and using that to build the relationship with not being all I, I, I about me. Um, it's, it's about them and about, uh, and about you. Well, I think, I think that's great advice. Last question for you. From Philadelphia, Eagles, Phillies, 76ers, Flyers, who's your team? Or are you outside <laughs> of Philly? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you're going to get me in trouble for this one. So I'll start with the easy one. So definitely Phillies, Flyers, and Sixers. Um, I was actually born in Utah. Uh, made my way around the country a little bit, but primarily grew up outside of Philadelphia here. So I'm actually a Dallas Cowboys football fan, and that is just blasphemy in the city of Philadelphia. But uh, well, it's you not know, blasphemy with this guy—that's for sure. Because I'm a <laughs> Cowboys fan as well. <laughs> Most of my so you know, growing up in in uh, early on in Utah, that you know there wasn't too many professional sports team. So we, we catered out to the, uh, to the Cowboys into the, to the Denver Broncos. So I stuck with the Cowboys when we moved, but everybody else, uh, Phillies, Sixers and Flyers are, uh, 
on my team. So. Well, Matthew, based on this interview, you were always welcome back here, but now you've just cemented it with that comment there about being a Cowboys <laughs> fan. So uh, no love for the Eagles myself either, um, because it's been nothing but heartache for the last 25 years. Five years with the Cowboys. So even though I do remember the Aikman run and uh, the Emmett Smith run very well, right? So, well, listen, I appreciate your time. Um, I think we'll wrap this one up. That sounds good. And thank you for having me on, Paul. I appreciate you being on. And everybody, thanks again for your time. Uh, and thank you for being here. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result that you'll tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll do it again next week. Be safe, everyone. Thank you.